Welcome everyone. Welcome back to Not Your Average Netizens. We're back at it again. <laughs> we're, we're back after a month long break. Um, and yes, this is Jimin and I am here with my lovely co-host Nat. Nat, say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ash might make a cameo later, but uh, don't worry. If you are worried that she's not here, she's uh, kind of under the weather. So she might make a cameo later, but we don't know. But anyway, yes, we are back after a month on hiatus. And we're here to discuss everything that's been going on. Because this has been a crazy past, what, four weeks or so? Yes. In K-pop. It's been a hot mess. (laughs) We've been brigaded. (laughs) They found us. We've been brigaded on Twitter. Um, but we've also been able to join into some really fun, interesting, um, and also really insightful discussions. We did what, a Twitter space, um, where we kind of discuss everything going on with the Jay Park situation, Yes, uh, which was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yes. That yes. was interesting. Um, shout out to everybody who were, was on the panel for that. Um, and we've also just been kind of popping up in different spaces. We did the K-pop Superfest. That yes, was yes. quite an experience. How how was that? How did that go, Nat? Um, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was interesting. It was fun. Shout out to Carolina from Not Your Average Fangirls, who was our sort of co-pod. We did sort of like a, a joining of two av- Not Your Average fan, uh, fan podcast. And um, Mars showed up from 106 in Seoul. And we had like a lot of people coming in and coming out. It was interesting. Uh I learned a lot about groups that I listened to like very casually and Jesse clearly did not care about her stage because she showed up with no dancers <laughs> and no DJ. <laughs> she was just, you know, twerking her way around the, the stage at that point. Um, Rain did not perform Rainism, which I am still pissed about, but it overall it was an experience. It's definitely something that I would do again and on different terms, I would assume, but like, it's definitely something I would do again. Uh, But yeah, we've sort of been popping up all over the place, been in a lot of the K-pop chats that uh, the K-pop podcast, the K-pop cast, sorry, podcast have um, been holding, usually it used to be every Wednesday, now it's every Monday. And um, I'm also on, I'm also on an episode that they did that just came out last, this week, I think. Yes, me and wow, Michaela. Wow, self-promotion. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun, guys. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no. Yeah, we, if you were there, if you guys popped up in any of those spaces, yeah. we really, like, thank you for joining. Like, you yeah. made it fun. Yeah, no, had a good time. Would do again, 20 out of 20. So we've been here, just not, you know, here. <laughs> but now we're back by popular demand, you know, not, not according to some people who don't like us very much but <laughs> <laughs> but we're back and controversy. yeah yeah, yeah we're, we're back and we're listening to all kind of stuff yeah. these days like there's been a lot of music that has come out um and i personally in terms of what i've been listening to you already know so two by two had their comeback so you already know i've been listening to zero by one love song all day yes. um and then Y'all remember a couple of, I don't know if it was like maybe two months ago or like a month and a half ago, um, Eric Nam, Eric Nam's people were like, can you guys listen to this, <laughs> to this song? Yeah. And, listen yeah. To it. and I really enjoyed it. Um, the song, it's called Have We Met Before. 
Um, I forgot who the, he's actually a feature on the song, but I forgot who the main artist was. I'm so sorry, girl. It's a good song. I love it. Um, and then of course, you know, Sarah Barrios, Barrios, there you go. Barrios, Sarah Barrios, something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, and then Juanjo's and about you. I've been listening to that. And then there's a song I recommend to everybody. Um, even if you don't know Ty, it's a song by, uh, he's actually an actor, a Thai actor. His name is Louis Tanowin. Um, and it's a song called Beside. And it's actually like the OST for uh, like a Thai drama. Um, but it's a, it's actually a really cute song and I really like it. So listen to that. For some reason, Nat, uh, okay. I've been dabbling into some music from your brethren up north. Um, <laughs> which which problematic one are we talking about? <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the one with a child, uh, a child who he allegedly hid from the world. But um, oh, right. that would be Drake. Drake, yes, I've been listening to God's Plan. I don't know why. Like I watched that music video like four times in a row, and I was just <laughs> like, this is just really beautiful. Like it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like everything about that music video, and also the song goes. And it had me digging really back, like deep into Drake when uh, with um, like Take Care and stuff and like Headlines, which Mm -hmm. is OG, one of my favorite songs by Drake. Yes. Uh, And then lastly, there's another song that is a part of an OST for a Thai drama. Uh, Well, I don't know if it'll be officially a part of it, but it's in the trailer. And it's a song called Break Me by an artist called Michael Shines. I highly recommend that song. Like, I don't know what it is. It, It gives me 2013, girl. Like it takes me back. Like I, I, I love that song. Um, and it's a short song, so it's not like it just goes on forever. So, so what about okay. you? What have you been listening to? Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, I've been listening to God Seven, and actually, I just got my <laughs> some albums. I got Bam Bam's Ribbon. I got Just Two's Focus, and I got uh, Call My Name or Call Me By My Name. You know the album. And so I am really excited. <laughs> you call it my name, I think. How are you no. understand? And you don't You know you know what it is. You hate to see it. It is what it is. I mean, the guys were kind of over JYP at that time anyway, so I feel like it's okay if I don't say the name the correct name for that. But anyways. Fair. Uh yeah, I'm really still on Got Seven, guys. It's been six months. Actually, no, it's been six months this year. But like, <laughs> I mean, I got into them late last year. So it's been almost a year that I've been into Got Seven and the passion has not presided, like it's not subsided, it's not sort of faded away. It's still here, guys. So yeah, Got Seven, definitely listening to them often. I made a Got Seven Essentials album, which I have put on our Twitter. So check it out. I'm I update it often. And uh I have been listening to Bam Bam's of Bam Bam's Ribbon, obviously. Actually, this is one of the first times where the the title I do feel is like the strongest song on the album. I just think it's really bright. It's not something that I would have expected from Bam Bam, even though he is a pretty bright dude. He is the rapper in God Seven. So I would have expected something a little bit more try hard, you know? Uh but Ribbon is just like a really fun pop song. It does have a bit of, I would say trap elements like in the production, but like it is like the the instruments, the the production itself is really interesting. It's not really sort of standard pop, but uh, I, I really like everything that happens with it. I really do also like Pandora and um, Under the Sky. I think that's the ballad E one. He sounds great. He looks great. 
his company, Abyss, Abyss um, has been really, really supportive. Uh, and, you know, Bam Bam has literally been everywhere you could think of promoting it. And he's done really well, you know, made some, it's already at 50 million views, which is higher than both of the title, uh, the two titles uh, that got seven dropped before they left it with me, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. Um, but it's better, yeah. Uh, it's all the act gays coming out. They're yeah. like, oh, we don't have no, to support the rest of them anymore. I don't think so. Because, like, from what I've been seeing a lot of, and, like, based on the album sales, it I don't think it's, like, a, it's, like, like, I think it's still, like, heavy on Agassiz, but I don't think it's only them. I feel like there's a lot of, like, casual people listening to this as well. Um, because mm-hmm. the album sales are good, but they're not, like, so good that I'm assuming, like, that people are really putting their back into it, you know? Um <clears throat> and also, too, just based on Jugum Drops' Point of View You, which is his um, sort of first album as well. His is what we would expect. It's R&B, <laughs> like, point blank, with some rap features because he's on AMG. One's Jay Perk, of course. Uh, I think Loco is the other as well. Um, Not Nat giving us, like, a whole breakdown of these albums when we just want to know what she listened to. I'm telling you what I that's how to you, That's dedication. That's dedication. <laughs> But I actually really, really like um, I Want You Around, which was like the pre-release, I guess you want, I want to be, I guess if that's what you want to call it, because All Your Fault is featuring Grey is the title. But I Want You Around featuring Davida, fantastic. It is one of my favorite songs this year. Uh, I like All About You as well, too. And uh, who else? I've been listening to the new Marina, um, Formerly, you know, Marina and the Diamonds, but she goes just by Marina now. She dropped her sort of, <clears throat> I want to say feminist-inspired album, Ancient Dreams in a Modern Life. And no, sorry, in a modern land. And I really like the album. I mean, I still think Man's World, which was like also sort of like a pre-release because she dropped it before, like way before she dropped the full album. Um, <clears throat> even before the album had a name, she had the song out. I still think that's the strongest song on the album, but... Uh, it's still something that I listen to regularly. And then 2PM dropped Must, which was <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> the album itself is like, like, I'm not gonna lie. It is, it's like smooth, groovy sort of R&B, not like, um, so I think it's like more old, older for older fans in terms of like the songs on the album, which is great because it's perfect for me. But, um, and some of the songs like, you know, like they're okay. Um, there were a couple that I did add, like I think Cafe I added, as well to my um, playlist. So I there are some songs that I like. I really loved their online um, showcase that they did because they did, you know, All Day Think of You. They did um, Hands Up. They did uh, their title track, which I think is called Want. I think the album's called, um, oops. I'm just double checking because I want to make sure that I'm like not screwing that up. Uh, but yeah, the album's called Must and um, oh, maybe the song's called Make It. Yeah, Make It. That one, the, I'm not a huge fan of it. I like looking at the music video, not going to lie. I'm being very superficial here. But I will say that when I was watching the showcase, I got very emotional when I was watching them watch. Well, no, sorry, I was watching them perform Hands Up which is not even an emotional song, but it felt like I was in a time warp. I don't know. It felt like I was back <laughs> in like the 2010s watching 2PM perform or whatever. And it was very strange. It was a very like, 
like I was so happy to see them and they were so happy and they were like enjoying the stage they're jumping around they're having a good time and I was having a good time and they look so good uh Jin Ho and Taekyun and Chen Sung look so good and I just you know I'm happy to see them and just Tony Braxton who I forever listen to but yeah that's it okay I can't say well I can't I guess I have had that feeling before Mm -hmm. but um with like almost like a nostalgic emotional type of nostalgic feeling so of course that's interesting but comebacks debuts look you already talked about um 2 p.m 2 p.m and I kind of mentioned two by two, but I have to say that I did listen to the title track, um, 2 PM's title that they just came back with. Mm-hmm. E, like I said, like kind of like what you were saying about being focused on superficial elements, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, not saying that that's what you were only focused on, but like they they look good this was a <laughs> this is a good look for them I, I liked it it was pretty interesting and then two by two came back so you know i love that i there's a couple songs on the album that are like <laughs> big question marks <laughs> i'll put it that way um but overall i think that they came back with something really interesting like i think the title track zero by one love song is really fresh anti-romantic is very different from what they usually do they don't they don't usually have a lot of songs like that. And so for them to be sort of dual promoting it with Zero by One Love Song is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a song on there called Magic. It's actually, I think it's their first English song, period. Um, and they performed it on GMA. And it's a cute song, especially they have a portion at the end. It's like a call and response almost. It And the way that it's uh, done it reminds me a lot of like stuff like crisscross and like like those '90s like little kid rappers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I that stuff that was popular in '90s. It's kind of cute actually, um, and it, it's one of those songs where it's like it's a little bit. It has a cheese factor, but it's like a cute cheese factor. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I do recommend listening to it, um, and I think that's like the main three songs that I really like off the album. Um, and then we listened to Twice's Taste of Love. So if you want to hear a review on that, uh, make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, <laughs> uh, which we'll have a link below in the description of these episodes. Um, don't want to spoil that, but we did listen to that. Um, and I think, of course, I listened to Tamin's advice. Everybody listens to Tamin's advice. Like <laughs> everybody, I, th- I liked advice, and you know, I live for Tamin's extensions. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. People said that he looked, he had Teachel's old extensions. People were roasting the the fact that it wasn't blended well, but girl, he looked good. I don't care what anybody says. It was a look, and it was iconic. Um, and out of like the current comebacks, I think the other I listened to Bi's. Um, I don't know the English version of it, but it's called Hebion. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to that. Um, and actually, I, I'm going to probably talk about that a little bit later, too, because uh, in our special new segment, <laughs> um, there's something that reminds me of that. Um, and so I like that. I like that. I like what what he's doing. A lot of I don't know if you listen to it or any of his recent stuff, but honestly, a lot of it's kind of depressing, Loki. Like, it's kind of melancholic. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do worry. Like, I worry about what's going on because one thing is, is like, you know, B.I. is going to write his own music to some extent. Mm-hmm. So, like, you do wonder, you know, if, if the music has a theme of being kind of like 
sad and and having these depressing themes, it does make you worry, to be honest. So well, and he's also, you know, going to be back on trial. So that's yeah, yeah. There, there's that. Other than that, oh, I did listen to EXO song "Don't Fight the Feeling." I liked it. I I I thought it was pretty good. I know it was. I feel like there was a little bit of controversy around liking it, but I liked it. Um. Yeah. And then, yeah, other than that, I haven't really listened to any of the other comebacks, though I am looking for... Oh, I listened to Luna's. Did not like it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it real. A lot of people loved it. I just wasn't here for it. Um, PTT, paint this I, town. But yes. <laughs> I, honestly, I do not even understand why that was... Let, let me stop. I, I want Luna to go back to the days where, like, they weren't just NCT. <laughs> like, I just... That's all I want. Like, yeah. seriously. Um, other than that, I will probably listen to 17's comeback because I haven't listened to it. Um, and I heard a little bit of Ribbon. Yeah. I'm going to have to make time to listen to it because I, I just haven't really listened to it. So, yeah. what about you? What about comebacks, debuts? Anything interesting? Anything you've already listened to? And what did you think? So, I listened to everything basically. Um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Luna, I have to agree. I listened to the album and I listened, I watched the MV obviously, and I watched the performances on the, like the showcase and stuff. Paint the Town is basically what Everglow and, and uh, Blackpink were doing like last year and the year before. Like it was yes. that exact it, it, It's Blackpink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was nothing there that was that interesting for me, to be quite honest. There the, all the way down to the <laughs> nah, it's all the way down to the bada bing bada boom boom boom. Right? <laughs> it was insane. Like when the song when they hit the chorus, I was like, why? And it's funny because like the like pre-chorus, that part was really good. It was just when they got to the chorus, I was like, girls, mm, let's pack it up, please. Uh but there is a song on the album called Dance on My Own that I think is fantastic. And I hope it becomes the new star. Like, you know, with, with Why Not on their last comeback? Why mm-hmm. Not was like the title, right? But Star was right. the secret hit that everybody loved. So they promoted it. They right. made a music video for it, right? So I feel like um, Dance on My Own, is. I hope, I'm hoping that that's going to be the same thing here. Uh, in terms of who else? Everglow's first is fantastic. Like, first is this the title. The album's called Last Melody fantastic i love it like if you're gonna do a nct i guess hard concept as a girl group that's the one you want to do you want to do something that's unique that's your own that's fresh and that you know still has that vibe and that energy and that sort of like i guess quote-unquote savageness but that's what you want to do and they sound fantastic they look fantastic everything about that song is great i did like the um title for txt but i really liked anti-romantic i think i told you that right when it came out I, I yeah you told me that i didn't listen to it 17s yet exos don't fight the feeling i mean lay was there so i was there but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's a special album and i'm gonna treat it like that Taman's advice though okay so i listen to advice every day advice is <laughs> i don't care what anyone tells me advice is that bitch i love it not just because of the piano melody obviously that's a huge win for me but everything about the song the way tainment is like sort of rapping and like oh my god that song is so good i mean the music video is fantastic too but it's actually one of those rare occasions where like even with a fantastic music video the song just excels the song is just so good that it stands on its own and i will say i will say 
in my top five K-pop this year, we have Don't Call Me and we have Advice. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> but B.I.'s Illa Illa is also... Oh, Stan. <laughs> B.I.'s Illa Oh, yeah, that's Illa. what it's called. It's Illa Illa. Yeah. It's, I was like, why can't I think of the English name? It's Illa Illa, yeah. Illa Illa is such a beautiful, gorgeous song. I love everything about it. It is sort of melancholic. It is sad. But, I mean, you know, he's singing, you know, about crying, basically, for most of the song. But... You know, the whole point is that there is like, you know, the sun at the end of the day at, at this, you know, at the end of the rainbow or whatever. So I, you know, I'm hoping that B.I. has a good year and that, you know, I, I really like the song. So, I mean, if he's still going to be making these type of songs, I'll, I can still live with it. But I do hope that he is a happy, he is happy and he's, you know, enjoying his life and he's doing it to his doing what he wants when he wants as a solo artist. I will say though that I've been following his stuff on YouTube and he's putting up vlogs often. He's done interviews. He did this really cute, like, you know, who knows you best, you or your fan kind of thing. I can't remember what site they did it with, but it was on YouTube and his fan won. His fan knew him better than he did. It was really cute. And uh, he's, he's still, you know, promoting and giving us bi and i really like that you know i love seeing handbin it is fantastic and brave girl summer queens i didn't listen to i don't even know if it's an album to be quite honest i did watch the mv but it wasn't really um it was all right i feel like it's like i feel like roland was catchier but they sound the same to me so i don't know it is what it is. They 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 are doing well. You know, good for them. I had I did read somewhere that they said that they're not getting paid. So I hope that's not true. Uh, but I am happy to see girls on top. So yeah, and in terms of yes. debuts, I don't think we've had any real debuts. Yeah. Now I guess we can kind of just go on into the topics. <laughs> we got really there's been a lot happening but I think it's appropriate for us to kind of condense it into like the big points you know the things mm. that are the wow factors <laughs> um let's start off with what's going on with SM so SM did their congress 2021 we had a lot of takeaways from that uh the I think the biggest things that we took away was the SM culture universe the SMCU and NCT Hollywood and then kind of like some discussion about AI I'm wondering what do you think of this like concept of the SMCU because it seems like SM is kind of I don't want to say obsessed with Marvel Marvel but like there is like a a lot of they make a try to make a lot of parallels with Marvel and I think it's interesting, but I'm wondering, like, what do you think about it? What are some of the big points that you, like, took away from what they're trying to do going forward? Well, I think because he's really big on, and he, by he, I mean Lee Suman, is really big on AI and that being the future of music. I think that it makes sense that he would be push, pushing this, this idea of prosumers who are going to be able to like reproduce and reinterpret the company's content like fan fiction i guess that's how i i pictured it i don't know if that's correct but i, I assume it's it's hmm. fan fans using the the licensed content but in a way that sort of fits that universe i mean obviously i think it's going to be curated because they don't want people going off the rails but it's a way to for engagement to increase because you know fans 
I mean, we did the talk on parasocial relations, right? Relationships in K-pop and fans and, and, and the idols have already like these really super strong, you know, somewhat manufactured uh, connections and relationships and that, that sort of, you know, is motivated by money, but also like a love for music and a love, you know, for making music. And so I, I believe, and this is, this is my take on what Lucimon wants to do with AI. He wants to take that to the next level. He wants it to be like, not just, you know, a fan who's been there from the beginning, who has all your albums, who comes to your fan sides or whatever, but somebody who actually can, you know, interact with you in a way that they couldn't before because you are a person and, you know, it's not fair to have you be as on demand in the same way. But with AI, there's no worries about that because it's a completely right. manufactured, you know, person. So you can take that AI and you can literally be that person's, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend, mom, son, you know, like whatever. Like you can do whatever you want with it. And I think this is this is a way to sort of take away that blurred line that we already see and to make these relationships a lot more solid because then you like, I mean, once you've hooked people, they basically are there for life. And I think the worry is that like fans do leave fandoms, you know, like not a lot of people stay with the group that they've been into for like, you know, seven, eight years. So maybe right. this is to sort of strengthen that. Um, but I think well, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, to kind of branch off of that, they did talk about like the concept of like pink blood, yes. uh, which <laughs> fun. <laughs> the fun, what's funny about that is a lot of people thought that this, like when people heard that, I remember yeah. there was this big discussion about people thinking it was going to be SM's attempt to compete with Blackpink yes. and do like a super girl group in a la Super M. And yes. I was, and I, I thought that was a little dubious. I was like, I don't think SM even feels the need to compete with Blackpink. It's not like, it's not like SM is lacking in like talented girl idols. You know what I mean? To the point where they need to create a super group. I, I don't know. Like I, I just, I don't, anything that SM does, I never really look at it as like a direct attempt to compete with something else. I almost just look at it as like a part of this greater plan to almost be, I don't want to say bigger than K-pop, but like kind of be like a company that has its hands in a lot of buckets so that it it can't fail. And that's really what this is, this the whole concept of the universe. Because when, you know, you mentioned that you pictured it as being, you know, fan fiction and that type of stuff, which, yeah, I definitely think fan art and fan fiction, that stuff has a place. But I looked at it more so as like, like remixes and like mm. fans coming up with ideas for new products because like, I don't, I'm very like into like Thai dramas. Um, and of course, a subsection of that is like Thai BL, um, which is another section I'm into. I'm also really into like anime, like in manga and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like specifically, like funnily enough, like non Japanese manga and stuff. And when you look at that and the fan communities around that, fans are like creating stuff like dolls and like, action figures and like creating actual merchandise that they design that's based on like characters yeah. and then it's being you know they're selling it and the way I looked at it is like SM is just kind of getting ahead of that wave that because I think that that could hit K-pop that same idea of like 
oh, I'm going to, instead of it being a character of a show, it's like, now I'm going to take my favorite artist and I'm going to put them on a t-shirt or I'm going to make a doll out of them. Right. I'm not like a, like a, not, you know, not in a weird way, but in like a action figure kind of way. Right. Um, Well, in Korea, they have passed legislation, (laughs) so you can just bring, it could be a doll. It can be an actual life-size doll and it's okay. Uh, I don't want to discuss the implications of that, (laughs) but I do want to say that, you know, I think the whole concept is very interesting of the SMCU and the idea of a prosumer. I really think SM is like ahead of the curve. I know we sound like SM stands right now, (laughs) but I really think that the business, the ideas that they have are so great that even if they don't fully like accomplish the goal even if they get halfway there it's still good i mean think about it they never fully accomplished the goal of the the rotating unit or whatever like kind of what they had with nct they tried that before and they didn't accomplish that but both times that they tried it was successful like every time they super junior was successful xo was the most successful right so Um, I think there's something to be said for being a a thought leader and a leader in innovation. But I also think, you know, there's speaking more towards the NCT Hollywood, that is a very interesting way to to enter a new market. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's something that no other company really has done in the American market. Um, I feel like a lot of companies, they've done it in other markets, um, but not even to that level because SM is trying to basically put a, put American Idol, but for K-pop yeah, to an American audience. That's kind of like, that's very risky. Like that's taking a huge risk, putting a lot of money into something that we haven't seen be successful before, you know? So I, I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm interested to see what NCT Hollywood looks like. I, I know... I, we, we like to roast it. We like to clown the idea of it. But honestly, the idea that the, the established NCT members are going to be mentors to these, these new members um, is kind of interesting because then you get a lot of that, inter- that cross-cultural interaction that's important for any anytime you're trying to cross over into a new market, that cross-cultural interaction is, is um, important. So yeah, I, I wonder though if it will cannibalize the Korean NCT units and the like, I, I wonder if, if that would be the case because right now NCT 127, I think is the biggest unit in America. So yeah. I wonder if that will yes. cannibalize 127. Yeah. I so. mean, I, that's a fear that I've been seeing a lot of, uh, you know, cause apparently they're also dropped there. It's not just, so they're going to be releasing new music for NCT 127, Wavy. I think there's going to be a new version of NCTU, which I mean, makes sense. And then uh, they're going to do this NCT Hollywood thing. So a lot of people feel that it's going to not just hurt their their records that they're able to sell, but also just like the individual members who maybe don't have the shine now, you know, who are probably going to get even, even more lost in the shuffle. And to that, I just, you know, honestly, at this point, that whole, the whole idea of NCT is to be a disposable group. With just disposable. I mean, kind of disposable members. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a thing. Like, sorry, not the group. The group is not disposable, but like the members are disposable. So it's kind of like, you know, at this point, us, right? But that's the concept. That's the concept. Yeah. Like, if somebody wants to leave, if somebody has a scandal, something goes wrong, you know, it's not going to hurt the group. You won't have problems. 
um, you know, where they have to go on a hiatus, maybe they're missing a member and it's really obvious in the same sense, you know, this kind of goes around that, that problem that, that groups used to have. So I'm not, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is at this point. You know, Mark Lee is in every group. I bet he, he will be in this Hollywood group. I'm sure they're going to try to fit him in Wavy. As long as Mark Lee is employed, I'm okay. Also, in terms of the idol groups, it like these idol competition things in America, Big Hit is actually doing one as well. And they and some other company, I think it was CJNM maybe, they're doing one in Latin America as well. So we have three yeah. coming, which is going to be very interesting because I feel like that's already too much. And I think that... The K-pop yes. bubble, bubble is on its way to bursting, um, so yep, I'm agreed. I'm not sure if the attention the if this is going to be too much for a market that is kind of you know they're they they see it as a niche thing and they're kind of like yeah eh, you know so I'm kind of like getting interested. over it in terms of popular culture exactly yeah. exactly so I would say like lastly on this topic my favorite thing that was mentioned was the remastering project which aims to remaster some 300 old music videos in cooperation with YouTube I am so excited okay I mean seeing Shinwa's the equalizer in like 4k is going to be <laughs> something I never expected to get a chance for I mean they can leave top in you know 120 that's fine because i really don't need to see eric in 4k so the n-word but you know it's i'm very excited to see the other music videos and oh but we're not gonna see all of shinwa's videos because they haven't they weren't with sme for the whole time but anyways i'm just very excited about this okay yeah so that's the best part (laughs) so moving on yes here lately i mean of course, COVID has kind of like hit East Asia in an, like another wave, like pretty, pretty, you know, hard hit wave, right? And so there's a lot going on in terms of what's going on in the economy and how people are responding to that. So uh, apparently fran- fans in Thailand are like, like K-pop fans in Thailand. Mm-hmm. They are basically stimulating the Thai economy through promoting K-pop in a sense so they're you know how they'll buy like a billboard and then you know of their favorite idol I guess if they're having a comeback they're doing that except for they're doing it on a small scale more so for small businesses specifically um I don't know if you guys heard of like the tuk-tuk drivers yes they're they're the the tuk-tuks are like the yeah the three-wheel vehicles that are kind of popular in um East Asia South Asia specifically but they have them all over the world um K-pop fans have started to basically take the money that they've been blowing on billboards and huge like posters in the subway. And they've been putting it in the pockets of these tuk-tuk drivers so that they can promote on their vehicles, their tuk-tuk vehicles. And so I think it's interesting. I think that it's it's cool that they're putting the money back into the the hands of the the little guy, so to speak. But I do think it's kind of ironic because <laughs> one of the people uh, who I guess is a leader in this, she's a K-pop stan. Um, she made a comment saying that basically we don't want to support capitalist regime. So instead of um, putting our money, because she was a protester, there's been a lot of things going on in Thailand with regards to protesting. One of her comments was, "We don't want to support the capital a capitalistic regime, and you know we're anti-capitalist." So instead of, you know, buying these billboards from these big companies or, you know, from the subway system in Thailand, 
instead we're gonna just put it on a tuk-tuk driver like as if to say that make like that basically promote their idols music instead of doing it on the big billboards do it for the tuk-tuk driver and what's so ironic about that is like so you're anti-capitalist but then you're supporting a capitalist k-pop is capitalistic like korea is a capitalist country <laughs> like yeah. i don't the idea of promoting somebody's album is a capitalistic idea in and of itself especially since you know that the people who have the money to do this are also the same people who are like bulk buying so <laughs> i thought that that was pretty ironic to say but you know not to take away from the good deeds that they're doing but i thought that that was <laughs> definitely ironic but what have you heard about this and and if so I found what do you out think of, of it? Oh, sorry. I did find out about it yesterday and I love it. I love it so much because it has been rough, you know, in terms of tourism because of the, you know, panorama. So I'm very happy that people are finding ways to put money in the pockets of the little guys and not, you know, the big organizations. So I can, I can kind of see what they're trying to do, but also, yes, K-pop is very capitalistic. It's like, one of the most capitalistic engines in this world, like if I'm honest. So, but I overall, I'm just gonna take the happy from this story, and I'm just gonna say, yes, good no, job, guys. Exactly. Keep Yay. keep it up. <laughs> yeah. Yay, Thai fans. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So. Apparently, well, we know Ravi has a company, Ravi from Vix, or is he, I don't even know if Vix is still together, but Ravi has his own agency, and apparently he's just been making money moves all over the place, and one of his latest moves, though I'm pretty sure it's not personally him, but you know what I mean, one of the latest moves of his agency is there will be a boys to men collab with the Korean group duo Vibe. And they will, Boyz II Men will basically be remaking one of Vibe's hit songs under Ravi's label. Uh, and they'll just do an English version of it. And that, and apparently that'll be like kind of like the start of a new wave of collabs and all, all sorts of exciting stuff for Ravi. Now, personally, I, I really hate to see it. <laughs> yes. You guys know how I feel about Ravi. Yes. You know that my feelings have not changed. So especially because it's boys to me. Like I, if it were like NSYNC or like Hanson, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. You know, I, I'm not going to be that mad. But it's boys to men. They are legends, not just for black people, but just in general. But the fact that they are black makes this even somehow worse to me because it's like the amount of horrible things Ravi has said about black people and darker skinned people and ha and the fact that his agency, which I'm sure he had, I mean, if it's his agency, I'm sure there's some, his ownership has to be majority ownership. So he's going to be getting a lot of money from, from what's going to be going on. It just bothers me. Am I wrong for thinking that? No, I, I honestly like... I don't keep up with Vix, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so I I have heard of these things of Ravi, but I've never actually seen them. I've never done any research on my end. But I definitely trust that. Girl, Ravi, yeah. Ravi is like if you took EXO, uh, BTS, Big Bang, and then they had a baby, and then that baby was ten times worse. That's Ravi. <laughs> well, <laughs> as I said, like. You know, I, I can see what you mean because it's like Boyz to Men is bigger than Ravi. 
boys to men is bigger than most of k-pop to be quite honest with you um and i mean i i mean they have a diamond selling album they're bigger than yeah. all of k-pop <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I I didn't want to say anything controversial, but I I personally agree, but I didn't want to say anything controversial. So I'm just going to leave it at that and say that I get it. I think for me, and I guess it connects to what you're talking about is when I mentioned earlier that his company had put out the statement and the statement about boys to men was like the information in the statement showed that they didn't even research boys to men. And they knew nothing about them. So it was kind of disrespectful, in my opinion, um, for such a legendary group. And I I don't feel like that bodes well for this. But I mean, I will wait to see how things develop, you know, over time. And I'll, you know, try to be fair about it and see how that goes. But yeah, no, I definitely see where you're coming from. And, you know, with the way, as I said, the statement went, it was very odd. And just like, I doubt you would have written that type of statement about some, about vibe or some other Korean group, like you would have been roasted by their fans. So it, it doesn't bode well, but we'll see how that goes. On to the next topic. So, <laughs> oh Lord, I feel like, <laughs> oh, this has been a topic for a while, you guys. Um, So as we all know, here lately, Korean men have been uh, very vocal about their disdain for certain gestures, certain emojis, certain sayings. Uh, And recently, Yuna from Brave Girls has come under fire. And I don't want to say it's all Korean men who have been attacking her, but I would call them probably meninist. Would you you say that? Would you use that term, Nat? Meninist? Like the opposite of feminist? Not even, yeah. Yeah, the... But I guess that's what you would call them. So they were in their feelings because one, she has, she wore a shirt that said no power like girl power. Um, And also she used the term Oju U, Mm -hmm. which is the term for 500 million Korean won. And they mistaked it for her saying Ojo O U, which is 5 trillion, 500 million, which is in reference to the fact or the idea uh, that you shouldn't date a guy with less than 1500 billion sperm, which, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure that that's a, that's something that you should aim to find out on the first date. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, that is a, I guess, a feminist saying in South Korea. So basically the male community of netizens, um, well, a male community of netizens were going in on her for this. Um, and, and it's a basically one sort of small piece or one symptom of what's been going on in Korea as a whole with regards to the feminist movement. So I'm really curious to hear what you think about this because this is just a hot mess to me. The whole situation, first and foremost, obviously it's ridiculous, but also like just learn learning about what the feminist movement um is like learning more about that in south korea i think it's i think it's just interesting to see like from a a a western perspective so what are you thinking about this i just think that men who claim that they're alphas need to act more confident and not getting their feelings because they assume somebody's making a joke about them having a small penis I think that that is in itself you telling on yourself and your inferiority complex is coming, you know, to the surface. And I think that a lot of what we're seeing, not just in Korea, but around the world are is basically men being feeling, you know, less than 
And then instead of working on themselves, they project that into like anger towards women and feminism. It's strange. I don't like it. Especially when you take a look at a lot of the laws for, you know, and sort of like past judgments on sort of sexual abuse, sexual exploitation, things like that in Korea. Everything is always towards the men's benefit. So why, like, how could you see the actual rulings in a lot of these somewhat horrific cases and then turn around and think like, oh, you know, women, you know, are going too far. You know, they're doing too much. You know, they shouldn't say this or do this because it hurts my feelings. I don't know. I just feel like it, it's, it's an example of weakness. And I personally don't like weak men. So I don't know. I just... The whole thing is very strange to me. I don't really like that the companies are bowing down to it as well because it's so baseless that I think that ignoring it is probably better in better for society than to jump through hoops to, you know, make these men feel better about their insecurities and their personal problems. And on top of but that, the, like, I feel like, yeah. But the irony of the whole thing is, is like, um, a lot of surveys have been coming out about like the the sentiments of like the average Korean male with like between the ages of 20 and 50. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at this, the sentiment, a lot of them are against laws that are basically anti-discrimination, but then get mad when they perceive that they're being discriminated against. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's what they do. Right. Like, right. You've seen it here with white supremacy, you know, uh, basically, if you say someone is racist, they get upset about not the racist thing they did, but about you saying that they're racist and suddenly you're the problem because, you know, you're being offensive because you're throwing a word around that, you know, may be true, but they don't like the label. They don't care about their behavior. They don't care that they should probably do better. They just care, like, like they are so insulted about the term racist that they would rather, you know, hate you for it and, and make a big thing about it because of that. I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people here specifically get upset about really, like, about really strange things that are not really any of their business, really. And then they try to make a movement out of it, you know? Or, like, they just don't mind their business. I think a lot of this here is that they don't mind their business. So that's about it. Like, I don't know. Like, Korea is its own country. It has its own laws. It can do basically what it wants. Personally, I think that um, not just Korea, but I think like a lot of this world, um, the power of the far right is definitely growing. And um, we have to definitely be on top of legislation. We have to be on top of who's getting into these positions. Um, yeah, we do not want to fall into like a like totalitarian fascist, like censorship based state that i mean i mean obviously we want to protect vulnerable groups mm -hmm. but i think there's a difference between protecting vulnerable groups and then just allowing people who historically have prevented other people from having rights allowing those people to do whatever they want yeah and there's a very big difference there and then and that's a perfect this is like a perfect example of that like create like men in every society basically make all the laws and have for a very long time and so they're upset about like the stupid little hand gesture that is nothing to do with anything for most people. 
and companies are bound backwards, you know, like trying to appease these children. Like it's, it's insane to me. I don't really get it. And I think that that just, just, I think that sort of justifies and backs a lot of their, their really baseless claims. And I think that's very dangerous because then you can point and say like, okay, they think they, like, you guys think that it's baseless. You guys think it's ridiculous, but like these companies don't because they removed it from their advertising. You know, so I think that, yeah, I, I mean, once again, Korea, can do whatever it wants, but it's not a good look from an international perspective. And I, yeah, I just want to end with that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's looking very uh, totalitarian. But okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, last but not least, and this is a sort of an ongoing discussion, so we'll try to kind of keep it brief because it is still in evolving. Yes. Um, so we don't want to like misreport. But um, recently. In hyphen has come under fire. In hyphen is that group that is under high B. Yep. Uh, high, <laughs> you know, the group, the the label that used to be Big Hit. And so apparently a member of In Hyphen was caught on camera in 4K saying the N-word. He was apparently singing SZA's Love Galore. And, you know, that part that goes skirt, skirt on in words. Yeah. Apparently he said that word and he said it with a very, very hard ER, which, um, as we know, is not how SZA says it. So if you're saying it with the ER, I'm wondering where you got that from. <laughs> so now I have personally heard the heard the video in question, watched it, heard what was going on. And I will say that, you know, when I first listened to it, I really couldn't make it out like y- you heard the skirt skirt on and you it, it almost feel like it kind of chopped out a little bit and then I heard other people talking so like I didn't really hear the word and then I put my headphones in and I was like I could hear it a lot better um and there's a lot of the controversy is like did, was it really said I've seen fans being like he stopped with you know the the first syllable which is n right he stopped there and then what you hear after that is other people talking um and then i've heard people be like no he said the word very clear you know loud as day present as day and you can hear it either way it comes as no surprise to us it you know if if he said it it comes as no surprise right and i'm saying if because you know you have to say allegedly all that sort of thing mm-hmm. it would come as no surprise it's not like we you know i, I didn't expect that all of a sudden you know, after after the scandals that big hits groups have been in, after the scandals we've seen in K-pop, after the year that we've had um, in K-pop, after, you know, the year that we had in, in Korea in general with in terms of the relationships with Black culture, Black music, Black people, uh, cough, cough, penthouse, season three or whatever, it comes as no surprise. But I'm wondering, one, you know, just very briefly, one, did you listen to it? Did you hear the word? And two, uh, your brief thoughts on that. Yes. So I did. I I gave you a video, right? We talked about it. Um, and yeah, you can definitely hear it. I also did not hear it the first time, but I put it on speaker afterwards and uh, it was clear as day. And not only... Did we also watch it and listen to it on over the weekend? But also I had somebody else who was listening to it as well and was like, he actually said the word. Like it 
So it's not, it's not a matter of if the word was said or not, it's a matter of the reactions. And that's where we're starting to see a lot of that very toxic, very discriminatory, very crazy behavior. And I will, I will clarify, you don't actually see him. So it's like the two guys are like in the front and then like someone in the back, you don't see them, but you hear skirt, skirt on and the N word. And once again, you know, like as Jimmy mentioned, it's an ER, it's not an A. I'm not saying that they're better or like, you know, like it's, it's, you know, I'm not but, but to it's also show, but yes. right. But it's like you went out of your way to say it with the ER. exactly, you could have, exactly. You could if you were really just mimicking the word out of ignorance and like yes. you didn't know what the word meant. And you like that's like when I'm singing Korean songs, I try to sing it exactly how the artist because I don't, you know, if you don't know that or haven't heard that word before, like if you don't know anything about it, how would you know the other ways to say it? Like exactly. Exactly. You know what so, I mean? No, absolutely. It, 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 I, I that's that's more so why I was like making that huge distinction because I was of like, course. ignorance is different from like willful obtuseness, and I'm not yeah. saying that ignorance is somehow better. Just that ignorance can be educated, right? Yeah. That's the whole idea of ignorance. Whereas willful obtuseness cannot be educated. There's a reason why they say don't argue with a racist, right? Yeah. Because You're they're not, not ignorant; they just don't care. You're so, not going to change their mind. So you like logic doesn't work. So you're wasting right. your time. And so I'm going to be like really quick because I mean, I feel like it is, as you mentioned, an ongoing topic. But when he said it, I don't care who you are, what you practice, follow where you're from. He said the word like stop being stop lying. Actually, at this point, just stop straight up lying Two, I don't care if you're black and this is not a problem to you. Like a lot of the pick me coons that I've been seeing online. But clearly, a lot of people have a problem with it. A lot of Black people have a problem with it. Allies have a problem with it. Just because you personally don't have a problem doesn't mean that it's not a problem. Uh, and your your behavior or opinion on the fact that like, oh, it's not a big deal, guys. It's 2021, blah, blah, blah. And then the same tired excuse of Koreans not knowing better when they have the fastest internet. And also, it's been 20 years. Top came out in what, like 99? We have literally for over 20 years been telling K-pop idols not to say the N-word and they are still doing it. So there's no excuse at this point. And three, the treatment of the, the way that people are reacting in the in-hyphen community, I think they're called engines or something like that. Um, that's a fandom name. has been super disgusting. Like literally putting up pictures of Black people being lynched, telling Black people to get out of K-pop because they're ruining it. Like, first of all, why don't you tell your idols to stop rapping and doing R&B? Stop getting black producers. Go back to doing, I don't know, go back to doing traditional Korean music. If that, like, that's really what it can come down to at this point. Like, if you feel that you can't respect the legacy of black music that you steal from without credit, mind you, then maybe you just don't deserve to have it. And we should be gatekeeping it and saying, don't do it. And I mean, I personally don't have a problem with other, you know, ethnicities, races, whatever, doing, you know, black music, quote unquote, you know, I just feel like there's never this level of respect that's given. Like when they, when, especially K-pop, I'm going to talk specifically about K-pop. When K-pop does, you know, Adele and, you know, Senorita and like, you know, the sampling of Queen, they do it in this most respectful manner possible, you know, like they they go they, they they love they love the artists they love the music whatever but i feel like when it comes to black music 
when they wear it as a costume, which is crazy because I didn't see like when, when, um, when, uh, shoot, what was that movie? Um, when the Queen movie, I can't remember what it was called. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah, when when that was really popular, I didn't really see idols dressing up like Freddie Mercury. As Freddie Mercury. And, and doing the, the music, you know? The funny, like, the funny thing is, is like, let them idols find out that Freddie Mercury actually is a person of color. Like, he's not white. Like, let right? them find that out. <laughs> right? And that's the thing, right? When they do that music, they don't wear it as a costume. They're right. not... You know, like they're not disrespecting whiteness because they love whiteness. But when it comes to black things, like, did you see the video of that Korean reggae artist who looked a hot mess? He sounded stupid. (laughs) Like, you look stupid. You sound stupid. At this point, I assume that you work for Jay Park because he hires people like that all the time, clearly. So, like, you need to stop. You need to, like, as I said, at this point, if all you, the only way you can do black music is to shit on black people, disrespect us by using the N word, and then putting um, blackness on as a culture, like as a costume. If those are, if you cannot do black music without doing those three things, you need to stop doing black music. You need to just go back to doing traditional Korean music and leave us the hell alone. At that point, like I'm point blank for all of these people. I mean, look. Uh, Trying to try to be like, oh well, you know, it, K-pop is its own thing. K-pop is still hip hop. It's still doing hip hop. It's still doing R and B. It's still working with black producers and emulating black sounds. Oh well, it you know they like Justin Bieber and they and you know they're trying to do music like Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber considers himself an R and B artist. He makes music that he quote unquote calls black music. What are you even talking about? So yes, that is my feelings on it. Anybody that I see, anybody that I see being racist will definitely get a talking to. Um, And it's not to make you change your mind because I assume that like, once again, you can't, you can't reason with racist, but it's be- really, honestly, it's about venting at that point. Yeah, it's just actually, like, I'm actually, just going to let out my frustration on you. And but, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, total fuck you at this point. Might do, I think there might be a Twitter space on it, on the parasocial relationship, you know, solely in the Black perspective, because that is also something we need to discuss. Um, I just want to say that it's very easy for white women to say that, you know, if something is bad and toxic, that you can just walk away from it. But when your whole life, everything that you've ever liked has been toxic in some way, shape, or form because there are racists everywhere. What do you do at that point? So I really, really want people who see other margin, who may be marginalized in, in some way, shape, or form, but have specific types of privilege to learn some empathy and not say things that really, really piss a lot of people off is all I have to say um, on that sort of uh, uh off topic topic but anyways yes i think that um as you said it's ongoing so we will definitely give you some updates if there's anything worth updating okay so that wraps our topics now we are introducing a brand new segment that we're gonna call featured and what we are gonna do is each episode we're gonna pick a new group 
to just kind of showcase, talk about them, introduce them, um, and talk about maybe what we like about them, what how we see their future going, all this type of stuff. So, um, yes, welcome to Featured. We should have like some sort of soundbite there, like yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, Ash put Be a like, soundbite there. Nuga 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 nuga. <laughs> that sounds really close to. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. You're right. <laughs> so, look, if if any of our listeners are talented with you know music editing or audio yes. editing, and you have an idea for a jingle for this segment, hit us up. We'd yeah. love to hear it. Absolutely. But yes. For our very first featured segment, we have T1419. Woo! <laughs> okay, so T1419. Actually, T1419, they are a new group. Their name is actually, so their full name is Tir Sair Gu. And it's literally is Teen1419. So the T part is short for teen. Ir Sair Gu is 1419. So Team 1419 or T1419 is a South Korean Japanese boy group. They were formed in 2021 under MLD Entertainment, which I believe, isn't that also Momoland's yes. agency? Yes. Yes, Momoland's agency. Um, and so the group consists of nine members. The members are Noah, Sean. Actually, you know what? Let me not even guess. You know what? I, I, I'm going to do this the professional way. <laughs> the members are Noah. He is the leader, main rapper, and main dancer. Sian or Xian. Xian, he is the main vocalist. Kevin, he is also a main vocalist. Ganu, he is main dancer, rapper, and center. Leo, he is a rapper. On, he is rapper, vocalist, visual, and face of the group. Very, uh interesting i'm i'm like looking at their k profiles pictures um zeto he is vocalist rapper dancer visual and then kairi which i love his name because it's very close to kairi which is <laughs> kairi irving who's yes. a basketball player and known flat earther if you're wondering um but kairi vocal vocalist and dancer um, and then last but not least, we have Keo, who is a rapper, vocalist, and the Magne. He was actually born in 2004. He's a literal baby, like a child. Yes. Um, so those are our members of T1419. Um, and as I, as I mentioned earlier, they are a Korean-Japanese group. So I believe like four of the members are Japanese, and then the other five are Korean, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so they debuted on January 11th, 2021. With their single Before Sunrise Part 1. I listen. I got a chance to listen to. Well right now I think they have five songs. right? Five songs total. Um, and I got a chance to listen to all of them. And if I could describe this group. I would say that they, they're giving a combination of NCT and Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a very rap heavy group. There's not a lot of vocal... Yeah, there's really not a lot of vocals in a lot of the, the in the music that they've released so far. Um, I, I also have to say that they're they're also a relatively young group. So if you're looking for uh, a more youthful kind of feeling, a more energetic feeling, they probably be some a group that you'd be interested in. And I, I I really feel like the vibe they get off give off kind of a a hardcore concept, but also 
with a futuristic bent, which is very much what NCT gives. But the, I do think they do it in a in a different kind of way. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have a, a softer aesthetic. So like, even though they have these sort of hardcore music video concepts, it, it comes off as a little bit more uh, kid friendly. So I do think that that could be a huge selling point if you like that sort of thing, that sort of ambiguity. But so far they have, other than Before Sunrise Part 1, they have Asura Balbalta. Yeah, I was one of the titles. Yeah, look, I had to. (laughs) I've been practicing it, and it's still not good. I'm sorry for butchering it, but that's uh, one of the titles. They have a song called Exit, um, and then they have a couple of other songs or or three more songs. But out, Dracula and Row. Um, Out of the five, I I I listened to all five of them. Out of the five, Dracula stood out the most, mostly because of the the music video. Um, If you watch this music video, you'll see what I mean. They're wearing like face paint and like prosthetics uh, throughout, so it's kind of an interesting thing that they're doing. They are mostly, I think, I would say like a their music videos are mostly just performance you know what i mean because you know how some music videos are story based Mm -hmm. like two by two has their whole like chaos chapter and like you know dream chapter they're so far i don't think they're going for that i think they're going for like a very straightforward we're giving you music we're giving you visuals and you you know that's really kind of the end of it um which is fine I, i honestly we really do be preferring like stuff that's not fake deep and this is definitely the antithesis of fake deep. It's actually uh, kind of refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I remember Dracula Envy just because it was, uh, they had like this cr- creepy, in a good way, creepy and like it was supposed to be creepy, face paint where they were kind of all painted as monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the actual music, I remember liking Roe. Uh, a bit more than the other ones. I would say that a lot of the songs have a very similar vibe to them. Um, and it, once again, it's kind of like that futuristic rap. Um, it, it's got a lot of EDM bent to it. Um, and I and it's got a noise bent to it as well, um, if, if you're into that. Um, and I, I just, I think that in terms of musically what I took away I I don't remember I think because they don't have a huge discography it's a little bit more difficult to sort of put faces to names to you know lines in a song so I can't you know just say oh Kyrie he has like the great the great line where he did this right I can't really do that just because they don't have enough content for me to really sink my teeth into but what they have right now I do think they have potential and I think they are clearly talented. I think in terms of the performance aspect, their choreographies are quite complex. That's part of what gives you that NCT feeling is because they have these complex choreographies. Um, I think they pull them off. I think that, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, you know, from what I see so far, I still have my preferences with like when it comes to a performance um, and seeing that I also, I think, but out, they did that live, right? That, that was a live yes. performance. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot that in terms of when it comes to having a live stage, I find that like rookie groups, um, 
it's usually real hit or miss, you know? It's it's never really kind of like, oh, this is just an average performance. It's usually like the, it was really bad or really good. And in this case, I think that it was very much like towing that line. It was like right in the middle. I think that they did a decent job. Clearly, they were probably nervous. I mean, I would be too if I just debuted. Um, but I, I think that it's going forward, it's about shaking off those nervous jitters, you know what I mean? And bringing more confidence to the performance. But I've talked a lot and I really want to know what you think of T1419. If, if you had any members that stood out to you, any songs that stood out to you and kind of how do you see them and their place in K-pop right now and maybe going forward? Well, I think I actually have the same thoughts as you did uh, in terms of the songs that I did like. Uh, I thought that Dracula was definitely the better song um, and the better music video because in com- if you're going to look at it in comparison to the titles, the Balto one and Exit, like Dracula would... And the crazy thing is Dracula is a pre-debut because apparently that music video came out first and then they dropped like their actual debut and then they put the song Dracula on the second single album. So... Like, and I'm pretty sure we actually watched Dracula in like one of our like live stream kind of music video things. Cause I remember that sort of like the skull makeup things that they had on their face. I like, I recalled watching that before. So I will say that that was probably the best music video that I'd seen. It had a concept. It was like, as you mentioned, like it wasn't just like, let's dance hard and have like flashing lights, you know, like it actually had something different, something unique that they were trying to do with it. I, personally don't know what that was but it was fun to watch like in comparison and not to say that the other music videos were not fun to watch but like sometimes I just you know I I don't want to get a seizure from watching flashing lights and people dancing like I just you know sometimes I need something else to look at you know and I do agree with the sameness because when I was watching the music videos and listening to the songs it gave me very much 80s NCT, you know, it gave me the the fourth gen sound. The fourth gen sound, yeah. Yeah, that we're very used to. And I'm not saying that's a problem because, I mean, I listen to some of the songs, these songs as well, and I do enjoy them. But, like, there wasn't anything different or unique, nothing that stood out in this group in comparison. But, I mean, there's still a new group. They only have five songs. That's definitely something that they can improve on and work on. And I definitely would love to see maybe a bit like because they are a korean japanese group i would actually love to see some maybe japanese influences in the oh i would love to see you know i would love to see them do like a a japanese track i'd love to see sort of kind of like how you know how bang young gook had like yamajaki like i would love to see them take something from japanese culture and really emphasize it that would be super cool to see um especially since I feel like we usually get the opposite of that where you get like Korean culture for a Japanese audience because it's K-pop, obviously. I would love to see um, Japanese culture for, I guess, what would be a Korean audience. I guess that's what they're going for because if you look at their music videos, they're not subtitled, which they're from a big enough company to where they They probably should should be if they like if they were if they were you know targeting you know an english-speaking market they would have subtitles so i don't think that that's really what they're going for so um, especially on top of that like i just one more thing about the you know the content we have for them so far um budget 
they have a budget. Like they, they absolutely they have, it's something. Do. Yeah, that's something you really can't say about a lot of groups at their stage um, of debut and in their stage of like the life cycle of a K-pop group. Um, but they have a, a decent budget. So with that in mind. I do hope to see them kind of expand going forward on their concept. I think that, I think that they, because I have, I see potential in what they're doing. Like they, they have a charisma to me. Um, I think it's important that they one keep continue to work on their live performances, but two, I want to see them do more music that's away from the current trend of the the fourth gen voice boy group sound. That would be really interesting because they clearly have charisma, and I want to see them show off their talent, especially since they have a couple of people in the group that are labeled as vocalists, even though I heard no singing for the most part. <laughs> so I'd love to see that. Um, but yeah, that. Do you have any more thoughts about T fourteen nineteen? Definitely give T fourteen nineteen a listen. See if it's something you like. Something that you could maybe see the potential that we discussed. Uh, and you know, support Nuga groups. It's been a rough like going on two years, and a lot of groups have disbanded. A lot of new groups that need to be present. You know, performing and at fan signs and things like that to build their audience are not able to do that. And so, you know, I think that we definitely like, it's it's great to support your faves and things like that. But if you were a K-pop fan, and I know that, you know, hot take, a lot of people don't like multi-fans, but if you were a K-pop fan, you know, definitely take some time out to listen to T1419 and let us know what you think. Um, I Yeah, want- and... <laughs> I was just, well I was going to add on to that really quickly yeah, like yeah. the that exact point and say yeah. if you honestly if you support T1419 you're supporting the Japanese economy and uh they need that because it's on life support right now and <laughs> and got so, the Olympics there and that's expensive too so yeah they look with the way covid done ransack South Asia, East Asia and Southeast Asia, yeah, they, the economy could could use this, uh, an injection right now. So yeah. I fully support supporting Japan, Japanese economy. So um, but what are you saying that? Oh, I just wanted to say that we did have a question from Candace on Twitter. Hi, Candace. And their question, uh, so we'll end with this. And maybe actually if we do get more, in, you know, people who want to engage with us and have questions and things like that. We'll sort of tie that into the end of the episode. But Candace said 2021 so far has had some good comebacks and special performances. What comeback or performance has been a nice surprise for you this year? If I have to choose a comeback, Oh, I will say I can't be, so I won't, I won't do that right now. But if I had to choose a performance, it would be. Does it have to be a live performance? Did Candace specify? Not really. It just said comeback or performance. Okay. If I had to choose a performance, it would be Two by Two's freeze teaser performance. That was some of the best choreography I've ever seen them do. It's actually some of the best choreography I've seen in K-pop done by a group like. It, it was incredible and they're not like an acrobatic group. So for them to be pulling off some of those stunts, I really like to see it. Um, highly doubt they would ever do that live, but you know, <laughs> one can only dream. Yes. Um, what about you? 
So I already put it on Twitter and it was basically uh, Big Mama. Big Mama used to be an R&B group signed to YGE and they were like, you know, all about talent, not about looks. You know how Koreans are, but they, those girls can sing, okay? And uh, they recently did a live performance on, uh, what's that program? There's like this YouTube channel, I think it's called Killing Voice. And basically artists go on and they do like a melody, like a highlight melody of their songs. A lot of artists have done it. Ailey, Mama Moo, you know, um, Highlight, like a lot of groups have done it. And they went on, you know, as a reunion sort of event. And they sang like this highlight of their songs. And the reaction was so good that they are literally reuniting and coming back to make music. So that's fantastic. I love to see it. I love to see, you know, groups that maybe that were popular and things like that, but, you know, had to disband due to time, uh, come back and, you know, to see people really appreciate them and support them now, even if they weren't doing that before is great. And then also, obviously, obviously, the after school reunion, I mean, we had Kahi, we had Becca, we had Jungha, I we had Bang, which is actually the song for me from the gym, but also just the song for me in general. And I like seeing the girls together. They're like, you know, early 30s, early 40s in some cases, and they are just killing it on stage. And this is the reaction and response was so positive and everybody was so happy. Nine Muses also came back on that special as well too, but the bigger story obviously was After School because After School had key members that we needed. Um, Nana wasn't there, unfortunately, and Yui wasn't there, but it ha- they were busy doing things. And then also 2PMs, my help, um, sorry, um, hands up. Nat, we I asked said, for one, you gave us like 50. I gave you three, okay? And three, and these are all old groups who are making comebacks or doing reunions. So, I mean, there's definitely a theme there on the things that have made my 2021. Shout out to Shiny and Guts Oven. But yes, that's it. Okay, well, that's all I have. That's all Nat has. Yeah. Um, Ash is lurking quietly in the background, um, but that's all she has as well. We want to just say a special thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, We are back. We are happy to be back. And I know you guys waited very long for this, um, but we're happy that we took that time so that we could, you know, give you something a little bit more, a little bit different, show you another side of us. But yes, with that being said, if you would like to reach out to us, recommend stuff to us or comment on anything, or if you're a T1419 fan and you want to discuss with us, you can always leave us a comment in the comment sections on any of the places we post our podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Nyan Edisons. That's N-Y-A-N. E-T-I-Z-E-N-S. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Not Your Average Netizens, as well as anywhere you consume your podcasts. If you want to email us, you can do so via Gmail at Not Your Average Netizens at gmail.com. We always have our email inbox open. And yeah, you can just feel free to reach out to us. Also, if you would like to get some more exclusive content from us where we post album reviews, drama reactions, and pretty much everything at this point <laughs> about Korean culture, Asian culture and entertainment. You can find us on Patreon at not Travis netizens, or I believe it might be Naya netizens. Either way, we will put the link in the description box. 
thank you so much for listening and for toughing it out and for coming back to hear us talk again for yet another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. I've been Jimin. Nat has been Nat. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.